0: So pick up exactly where you left off and then we'll just, we'll we'll incorporate all of this.
1: Well, yeah, we'll we'll like put it in somewhere. All right, so uh, yeah, like one of my favorite storytelling stories on stories uh, is uh, this is is like a story where John, uh, this is like pre-moving to Austin for him. Uh, And this like sits very, very perfectly in my head because of how random it is, but it's like, this is, this is like the beauty of storytelling, being able to take a random moment in life uh, and turn it into something meaningful, right? Like we all have these like random things that happen to us and we're like, oh, it's like something I'm going to tell my friends. Uh, the mark of really great storytelling is I'm going to tell something, I'm going to tell this to my friends or I'm going to tell this to my audience and somehow I'm going to turn this into something that relates to my business, myself, something, some sort of like there's some sort of giveaway. There's some sort of payoff for reading the story. So, this is when John is uh, in Austin. He's like chilling at an Airbnb. He walks to the CVS, and he picks up his favorite, uh, his favorite snack, Swedish fish. And he's like on the way, walking back to his Airbnb from the CVS. And within that walking distance, a dude on a scooter, on like a on like a bird scooter, pops up to the side of him. As they're both waiting at the stoplight, and this guy is in full suit, like very unsuit, like just like not what you should be wearing on a scooter, but like this guy decided this was my mode of transportation for today. He they exchange this very light look. They're like kind of just like sizing each other up, and then John just like hands him the Swedish fish, and the guy happens to have like a vape pen on him, and then just hands it to him, and they just like switch for a second. John takes the bait from the vape pen. Uh, This guy takes a couple Swedish fish, they exchange, they do a little head nod, and the guy just, like, zooms off. And, like, the whole entire story is simply just, like, the the moral of that story is, like, these are the random moments in life that you can use to teach something. Um, Like, this is one of those moments where, for John, he picks that up and he's like, I right now I'm going to turn this into the reason why you need to, like, map out your stories. The reason why you to, like think about your stories and then just like come up with something. This, the, the moral of this, record all your shit. Record <laughs> any story, write down a note afterwards and just like kind of like your market for yourself and then expand on the story. This is how you tell stories. This is how you tell people about your
0: life and this is how you connect it to your business. Storytelling to me is, it, like what you said, It's a, it's a way of kind of like selling yourself to an audience. But it's also a way of making yourself relatable to everyone who's listening to your story. I think that there might be like this misnomer associated with storytelling that your life has to be incredibly exciting to be worth telling a story about. But like what you're saying there, it's usually the mundane stuff, the the stuff that you forget about as soon as it happens, Mm -hmm. that ends up being the best stories. It just depends on how you tell them. Like everything everything in storytelling depends on like the way that it's being told because you can make something exciting, engaging, funny just with how you tell it. Just understanding how to actually project that event that whatever happened there. Yeah, and this is like within
1: real life example. Brands do this all the time with like the Super Bowl commercials, but like one of my favorite um, examples of this something that is just like very like after the fact. Like uh, you you remember Liquid Death, right? Like pre. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the IPO. Right. I've been talking about liquid death for like years, like a year or two before they went, uh, they went public. I was like, this is the brand that's going to like blow up randomly. Now they're in Whole Foods all over the yeah. place You can find it in every single store. And the selling prop is like just water in a can. Right. Yeah. That's there's nothing really. I mean, like their their goal behind it was like you want to save the planet and doing, you know, like having this good water in cans doesn't make it that much more expensive and on top of that you'll be able to save the planet but that's like not like not compelling right like it's yeah. it's a good it's a good goal it's it's very good that you want that to be the case but you know like people aren't connecting with that as much why because we're not like in every single aspect of our life we're not really coming to terms with like we're ruining the planet like at least not in our immediate peripheral right, right. Uh, so, what they do is they go, all right well, what's what's some of the most <laughs> like engaging marketing that people do out there? And it's like all the alcohol marketing. It's all the beer and alcohol marketing that you see they're they're funny stories, they're just like they're random. And my favorite liquid death commercial is all of these kids kids just having this party like that you remember that song like breaking the law breaking the law Yeah, like yeah yeah so they just throw that music and it's a bunch of kids having a house party but they're having it with liquid death and they're like 12 year olds and they're chugging they're playing like they're playing drinking games and stuff and the mom comes in and she's pregnant as fuck and she drinks from it and they're like she's like don't worry it's just it's just water and i'm like that's the whole entire fucking story where it's like you know, we've managed to take this type of marketing, this one that's we know is successful, and apply it to something that doesn't really connect with it, but we're going to make it connect because, well, everyone can drink water, right? Kids can drink water. Pregnant moms can drink water. And, like, what they're saying is, like, we're making drinking water fun. Like, we're making it enjoyable. From just drinking it out of a can versus a water
0: bottle, what's the difference here? What's the difference other than saving the earth, really? Yeah. Well, I mean... I think that a lot of what makes something purchasable or people want to actually support or contribute to a brand or a company or a single person, whatever it is, it it truly is how engaging you are or how much FOMO, whatever you're selling or giving away, drives in other people to want that thing. And if you can have like a compelling story or a compelling commercial or something that's funny or really exciting, that always just drives people to feel that FOMO of not being involved in whatever that thing is. I feel like Liquid Death was a really great example of this where it was nothing and then all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere and then people started talking about it because it's a can that looks like it should be alcohol but then you're like, wait, what the fuck? This is water. It's like, I've talked about this before, one of the best things that you can do for not only like your personal brand but also like your company is being being like, I guess someone that is off guard, right? Like you keep people on their toes, you keep surprising people. And I I couldn't figure out the best way of saying that, but one of the best ways of doing that is something like that, right? Where like you have a package that doesn't actually go with whatever the interior that is. Mm -hmm. That was like all Liquid Death was, was, it was just a package that didn't fit with what the actual product was. But people love that. Like, that was super compelling. It got people talking about it. And that's really all that it takes to have, like, a compelling narrative behind your product.
1: Yeah, because what's the compelling narrative behind every other water brand? Yeah. It's fresh water. and yeah. they, Like, they show you this, like, lake that they're, like, supposedly taking the water out of. And then you look at the back, and then it's all purified water. And that's, like, just not good for you. But that's that's despite the fact this is like hey we're going to this you know we're actually going to this place where we get good water it's like a natural spring and also you know we're doing something completely different than the entire industry and that could flop right like there's the possibility for that to flop the thing is the thing that they did really good with it was it's so in opposition of what the rest of the market is doing that you almost have to look at it and when you do look at it, you're like, all right, well, this is this is interesting. I might try it. And then, you know, you kind of go get to realize, like, you maybe do a little bit of research. Oh, okay. They're, the product is not that much more expensive. Uh, when I do get the product, I can now recycle. So now I feel good about it. And that's, again, these are all secondary benefits to it. But the main benefit was the emotion. What did it bring up? For millennials, it brought up a lot of this, like, you know, a lot of what growing up in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, to early 2000s what all of that brought to which was house parties which was you know like movies like not another teen movie was you know, like all of these uh things in the zeitgeist all these things in in pop culture that we have experienced and it's now bringing it back you know like all of like we still do house parties and stuff it's just not in our parents basement and we're not drinking alcohol right and like a lot of the times in those house parties we have like Will have like Topo Chico or Liquid Death or something right. along those lines. So it's like it really integrates into that older generation. I hate that word. I'm saying older generation, but like it's our our I guess we'll say mid of the mid of the the age timeline generation. Um, it like connects with those people on you know on a on a very deep emotional thing. Nostalgia primarily, like yeah. especially with that, especially with that that uh, commercial. Nostalgia was like the main thing that we, they were going for. And, yeah, I mean, that's why we, any good story does not start with, okay, so I had a great story, or it's, it's, or something along the lines of, like, there's this big, huge blow up. It's, what is the emotion that I want to convey? What's the emotion I want to get out of the person? And then they walk backwards from there. Like, that's what all the best, like, TV show writers will do. They're like, what's the emotion? What do I want to get out of this first? And then how do I walk back that emotion? How do I get them from end result to building
0: the story backwards one question i have is how would the storytelling be different between someone trying to build a personal brand versus a company trying to build their brand you uh, uh, feel like there would be differences but i'm curious yeah. to know like from your perspective like what you've seen with how that plays out in practice
1: sure uh there's less i'll, I'll be i'll be completely honest with you. there's a lot less flexibility with the with the like a larger brand a non brand yeah uh, and that's mostly because you have less options right like you don't have for most personal brands for most brands most like larger brands they either have a fake mascot or they don't have a mascot at all right they have this like very singular voice um so really the difference is your your tonality your voice the what you're able to get away with uh you're you it's easier for you to get away with a lot more personal stuff with a personal brand right so you can talk about your personal stories you can talk about your experiences doing x y and z you know there's this there is a, a lot easier to go down the route of we're the same because that because you can put yourself in the in another human's shoes yeah um that's why things like uh Geico works or uh like flow from um uh allstate is that allstate from no not from allstate from the for progressive progressive Little, okay yeah, like it's just like we all know a flow. Some a person who's just like way too
0: nice and yeah. and you know, just like chimper. All state is the guy that like is always leaving destruction, right? Yes, yes, yeah. But that's another that's another may have yeah. that's another phenomenal one though. Like that's a great mascot because you automatically know who the fuck that is. And also, um, what was the most interesting man in the world for uh Old Spice. No, uh sorry, Dos Equis. Dos
1: Equis. Yeah. yeah, but Old Spice was um, Terry Crews. Like, like, it was Terry Crews. It was Fabio, and then there was the original Old Spice guy. I don't know what, but he's like, "Look at me now. Look
0: at your husband now. Look back at me. I'm on a horse." Like, he... but those those are phenomenal commercials because even though they're really fucking stupid, like they get people to talk about them, and you remember them. Yes. Like ooh, Lex and I, Lex and I will be sitting on the couch watching commercials sometimes, and I'm like. I feel like they're just burning money with these commercials because because they're not memorable, they're not funny, and they're fucking stupid. Like they're they're the worst aspects of everything that you could be trying to do with mm-hmm. building a brand or building a story or selling a product. I'm like I don't I now want this product even less than before I saw this commercial. Like you turned me off by putting this commercial in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I know that they probably run like focus groups they have probably like tested all their stuff in front of the people that are their target audiences but for me i'm like man if you're trying to build a personal brand like try and be fucking memorable like try and do something that is at least creative or out of out of the ordinary i like old spice was so out there where you're like they are out of their minds but this is amazing like it's hilarious and I did a whole project on that in college on the, oh. the
1: rebrand of old spice. Cause you know, what it used to be for like old dudes, right? Like it literally used to be like old spice. Like they used to be in these tiny
0: bottles. I did not know that. No. Oh my God. Yeah. Early two thousands. Uh, that's oh, wait. They, I, I do wait. And then, and yeah. then the rebrand was whenever they switched to, like the red colorway. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it was appealing. They realized that they were like,
1: like they were around for a long time. And they yeah. realized this is an old man scent. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, wh- how how do we make this something that kids are interested in? Something that like, you know, like makes something silly, makes something outrageous. If you read the back labels of all the old spikes products, there are these ridiculous explanation of what the scent is. Ridiculous I could grab one I-, I have like four old spice products in my in my closet right now. I could grab one and read it through, and it's the most ridiculous thing you ever read. You're like, why how are you describing this as the scent? Yeah. but it's interesting because no one's describing their scent as like swagger or like bear something. there's just like yeah. this really weird
0: sense. Well, but that's the stuff that I feel like that builds a following, that builds a community that builds like a loyal customer base in a way that fitting into the bell curve doesn't, right And and I get that for companies that try and go so hard at a niche. They are going to alienate some people, right? Like for some of the commercials that that I see, I'm like, I would never buy that product in a million years, but maybe, you know, like uh, a 40 year old mom would like, they love that commercial by the same token, like 40 year old mom may see like an ax body spray commercial and be like, what in the fuck is this? Versus like a 13-year-old boy sees that and they're like, I want this right now. Dude, do you remember the Axe Body Spray commercials? Oh my God, yes. Very, like, very sexual. Like, extremely, like, they, they were pushing the boundary so hard. I mean, that was like 10, 15 years ago too. I mean, that was a long time ago. And that was before a lot of that stuff was a little bit more normal. Like, you could show boobs in a PG-13 movie, you know, like, now, now you can, right? So, it's like, back then it felt even more taboo than it would today to do the things that Axe Body Spray was doing to build their brand, but like, it got people talking and it was like, brands and companies, I understand, shy away from controversy because controversy is not like, bad press isn't always good press for a company, right? Because You have to worry about shareholders, you, you have to worry about, you know, boards, you have to worry about stock prices. If you're building a personal brand, I actually feel like in a lot of ways, controversy is good because- It gets people talking about you, and and the worst thing you can have as an individual is people that just don't care about you. So, if you have haters, people talk about you. It's not necessarily a good thing, but at the same time, like press is press. If you're a singular person, but as a company, that can be really really bad if everyone starts to hate you and talk bad about your product, and then you know it just tanks your share price, right? Like that's that's really bad. But there have been some some companies I feel like over the years that have really towed the line between controversial and like like just offensive they've done it <laughs> which one do you have in mind right now well axe was- like axe axe Ax is a good uh, is a good example right we're like yeah, spending it was definitely offending 40 year old moms oh like, for sure they're
1: like i don't want my kid to i don't want my kid to smell like this they're, they're gonna smell like sex
0: yeah every kid is like i want to smell like sex yeah and but i mean other brands have done a good job with that too i mean even like Like Bang Energy Drinks, you know they weren't necessarily on TV the way that Axe Body Spray was, but I mean their branding was built more around like that party culture Mm. and way that other brands probably shied away from on purpose. Um, But I've seen really good examples of marketing and brand building and storytelling in companies where I'm like, man, I I know that that worked out well, but in a parallel universe, I could also see that ending horribly and it's like man you gotta have some balls of steel to run some of those branding campaigns for some of those bigger companies because if it doesn't work like you literally could tank the entire company
1: oh absolutely and that's kind of the that's like why stuff like market research is so important yeah the least sexy thing that we talk about like we talk about it in our copywriting course we talk about it with with like consulting clients and everything and it every time i have to bring it up i feel very like inundated like jaded like oh, I have to bring this up again but every time I bring it up it's like every single time someone has come back to me and said that was a really good move thank you for making me do that like that that changes their perspective of marketing entirely because you have a little bit more certainty right like you don't feel like you're just uh you're just doing something controversial for controversial sake right uh it's why for me when we're, we're like teaching copy we're teaching like end funnel stuff, uh, a lot of it is, like, do your research. Make sure you understand what your clients' ins and outs are like. Like, go do some serious market research. Go look up stuff on Amazon and find the three-star reviews and see what the person in the middle of the ground is thinking, right? Because they're either going to go 50% this way or 50% that way. Uh, go find find out what they like to watch. What are the books they like to read? What Like, where do they sit in the social construct of, like, where do they sit in society? and if you know what that person wants how they think how they talk how they act you can go out and say outrageous shit that's just going to apply to them and it's your your game right like a lot of these companies what we don't see them doing which is what they're actually doing in the background is like there are there are whole entire there's like departments dedicated to doing all this research to like you know like doing the market research doing the r&d and they're like, all right, well, what is this product like? What does it make them feel? What are they look at? What are they looking for? And then they take that to the creative team, and they're able to go, all right, well, here's all this data. What can I do creatively with this data? It's where it's why I like marketing, specifically, like you know, specifically this whole branding aspect. It's why it's both an art and a science. You need all the research. You need to know. You know, you need to like put together a customer avatar uh, to. A, almost like sickening degree like the the thing we talk about a lot is um it's like the person who lives in california who like is like uh is like a single male in california or just in la is different from us from like a dude who is living in north carolina right like a lawyer in la and a lawyer in north carolina have two completely and totally different lives yeah one one is learning how to cook chicken uh and is like paying a shit ton of money for his rent the other one has a mortgage a wife, three kids. They have the same job, right? They they're kind of around the same things, but their their lives are entirely different. So, you know, if you're marketing towards one of those people, you better get it right that you're talking to the California dude rather than, you know, the guy who has two kids because his perspective on life is so different.
0: I mean, as someone who who owns a business, mm-hmm. it's really challenging to remember to put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're trying to sell to and yep. the person you're trying to market toward the, the person that you're trying to service or or build a product for because i i do think that it's very important that you try to build something that you find exciting mm-hmm. and that you would want to buy yes because if you don't want to buy it, then no one's gonna fucking want to buy it so it's pointless anyway right but the next step beyond you just building something that you think is cool and that you would actually want to use or purchase or, or buy, the next step is, okay, well figure out what the person is that you're trying to sell or who that person is or what they want or what they don't want or how they're gonna utilize this thing or the potential constraints that they're gonna run into or the potential objections that they're going to bring up. Like, those are all things that I feel like are so challenging as a business owner to think about whenever you're so stretched thin across all of these different tasks and projects and functions, And you're just building something and you're trying to improve it. But a lot of times I feel like improving it is not actually improving it for the customer. Sometimes improvement is just for improvement's sake, but you're not actually doing something to make the client's life easier or make their life better. So that's something I've always found very interesting because it's really easy to get disconnected from the person that you're actually trying to sell or build for. But then, whenever you like refocus, you're like, oh, fuck. It's just, it's so simple. If I just stay on that line of thought all the time and just talk to the people that I'm actually trying to sell to and get their feedback and and get what they're actually interested in. You know, it's a really, it's a really simple and annoying hack
1: to figuring that out. What's up? Yeah. So, basically, like your business is a reflection, like you're helping a version of you in the past before you learned all the information. So, if you go back to like, how, how long have you been like, actually how long have you been lifting? Like what was like what was your starting point when you were lifting?
0: I mean probably I was probably like 16, 15, right.
1: 16. Yeah. So granted, your person is probably not 16 anymore, right? Like you're you're but right if we're looking at the grand scheme of like what we do in our business, for you it's like, all right, well I'm talking to maybe like a 25 year old, a 26 year old, and what was, what was I doing in their shoes, right? Like, what was, what was I looking for? What was the information that I was looking for at the very beginning to figure out how to get from point A to point B, right? Um, yours is again, a little bit different because you're, you're mostly talking to, um, people who are like, want to be like fitness pros, right? Like they want to, uh, yeah
0: definitely a little bit more high end for me personally, yeah. but like, no, the business is shifting, but yes, for me, yeah. personally, historically, like it's mostly towards more of the advanced individual.
1: Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, you put yourself in the shoes, bef- like where you had a basic understanding of everything, but you wanted to get more advanced. What are the pieces of information that they need? What are like, what is attractive to them? Right. Uh, like right now, uh, it'd be pretty hard to write for yourself because you have this wealth of knowledge. Right. So, like, if you have the wealth of knowledge, you know where to go. A lot of the times we don't know where they are, where people are in the buying, in like the buying spectrum, yeah. simply because we're not thinking about like, well, how, not like, How problem or situation aware, like, are they problem aware? Are they solution aware? Like, what piece of information don't they know, like, that I know? And the answer is a lot, for one. which Broadens it, right? That makes it a little more complicated. But at the same time, it, like, it gives you the opportunity to be like, all right, what are some things that I think are super annoying, right? That's kind of how I think about it. Like, what are the things that I talk about a lot that I am done talking about? And it's probably that, (laughs) like... That's the annoying thing about it, is it's probably going to be that one thing. For me, It's a lot of it is like, context is everything. Like, that, that is something that I'm, I'm saying on a regular basis. And I hate saying it because, one, it's true. And two, I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over and over again. But, I, you know, I, I, someone tells me a story and they forget this one piece of the story that, like, makes it... That, that like, turns something from, like, really dark and scary to, like, oh, that's actually kind of funny... Like the context in the middle is the important piece there. Uh, and it's the same thing with, with anything else with like building the business. And it's like, all right, well, what context does this, does my avatar, does my customer, does my client need to know to get from point A to point B? And once you fill in those blanks, like the rest is like that. That's why like John does not very hard on selling. He's not like, uh, uh, not like he doesn't sell. Yeah. It's, when he presents all the information and then he just says, hey, this is the, so this is what it would cost. People are pretty bought in because his goal wasn't to sell you in the first place. His goal was to educate you. And be like, hey, well, this is the information you need to know going forward. You can either take this and run with it. You can take all this information. You can, if I sat down with you and wrote out absolutely everything and then you took it and then went to go do it by yourself or paid someone else to do it, you would find success in it. Mm-hmm. Point blank. But- the 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 thing that they're overcoming is, well, do I want to go find someone else to do it or do I want to spend all the time that I need to do it in order to do it or should I just pay you? Because you're already sitting in front of me. Mm-hmm. You've already made a compelling offer. You've showed that you have an expertise on it. I might as well just buy it from you, which is like part of why I don't do a lot of like Of the three of us in Wall Street Media, Brett is the one who sells and the only reason Brett is the one who sells is because he's been able to sell nothing for like and by by nothing i mean like he he was selling ideas before we even started working together he was like selling the idea of safety to people to like donate to a charity or to donate to like a non like a bipartisan uh group so like the fact that he was selling literally nothing like you couldn't even get you couldn't even use it as a tax break that's why we leave it to up to him but if people are coming to us and they're asking for like hey like pitch me i'm like i'm not i'm not gonna pitch you yeah (laughs) like i'm just it's not i it it would be inauthentic for me, but I can show you how it would help you. And that like, if I know what your problems are and where I could fill in the blanks, people are gonna be like, yeah, I'm really interested in buying that one thing. What does it cost? And then if it's an actual like issue with cost, you can like work work through that, right? You can like go through those objections.
0: I mean, value sells itself, right? And there are very few things that I think most people inherently understand are more valuable than being able to tell a good story about yourself or your brand hmm? because all you have to do is see someone who's really good at it tell their story and then you're so sucked into that and you're like I need to be able to do that I I need this skill for myself and I guess tangentially to storytelling is also copywriting and just writing in, in general one thing I do want to ask you because I know that this is something that you are I mean you're also very passionate about writing, writing storytelling those are things that they're pretty much hand in hand. It's very similar skills, but if you had to choose one that was more impactful for the ability to grow a personal brand, a company brand, or maybe even those are separate answers, would you say it's like orating? So storytelling, or would you say that it is written copywriting the ability to like write really well? Cause I do think that those are different skills. And I think some people are good at one and not the other.
1: Yeah. So I would even split that up even even more because uh a lot of the a lot of the times good writers are not does not guarantee that you're a good copy. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then no, and then like we know that because yeah. we've seen the people who who understand the mechanisms. Yeah. And just these hard sellers, like it feels really skeezy after you're reading it. You're like, I don't really I'm not really i am not really connect with this. Like I would say like overall storytelling is gonna help you the most because the mechanics of that bleed into copywriting yeah like mechanics of understanding like really it's like storytelling and human psychology are like the two things that people need to be aware of most and then you can get to the mechanics because if you understand humans and you understand how they operate and what their desires are what their core you know like what we need as far as like mavlar's hierarchy of needs and what they need in terms of like you know, like how to feel comfortable, what is what are the the ways to make someone know like and trust you? Like if you're like aware, like if you have that EQ uh, and you have a, a strong ability to like pick up mechanisms like and pick up like how things work, it's really easy to get into copyright. Like it is and by easy, I mean like you get humans and because you get humans, you know how to say, you know how to turn a phrase that that the goal is the same but one is said more tactfully, right? There's the, It's the difference between buy my shit and here's how I can help you.
0: My personal opinion, and this is probably, probably gonna be different from a lot of people's, is I think that difficulty-wise, it goes from storytelling, so orating. I think that that is the most difficult. I think that copywriting is more difficult than long-form writing. I think that writing is probably the easiest. And the reason I say that is because copywriting is basically having to do writing in two sentences, you're having to tell an entire story and convince someone to take the next step in one sentence, in two sentences, in three words, whereas an entire article, entire book, you basically have that entire time of them sitting down their entire focus. To sell them on something, sell them on your idea, to sell them on your, your product, your experience, whatever. Um, so I I think that that's the way that I view it, but I also, and this is maybe again, a little bit different. I think that long form writing is probably the most important skill that someone can have. And then the reason that I say that is because I think that there is like a timelessness that's associated with long form writing. And you also have someone's undivided attention. If they are reading what you're writing, whether it's a book, whether it's an article, whatever, um, even storytelling, if you have someone in person, the people's brains just, they get distracted. They wander. Like, they start thinking about what they look like. They're wondering what everybody else is doing. Like, they just, they look around. You know, it's really hard to focus on someone 100%, even if they're telling a very compelling story. But at the same time, I think that the storyteller in that situation has all of the the leverage because they're able to project body language they're able to project tone they're able to build suspense in the way that they're telling a story they can transition and make something scary they can make it humorous they can make it sad they can also look at their audience and see what their audience needs and change like a comedian would right like they can play off of their audience in a way that a writer can't if they've written a book that is then being read 10 years later you know um but but at the same time, like there is something about, for me, writing that you just know that you have your audiences undistracted and full attention. And every word seems to matter just a little bit more whenever you're writing. Um, and it also forces you to slow down in everything that you do. And you can streamline your thoughts in a way that makes sure that exactly what is going on in your head is projected on the page or projected on the computer. Um, and obviously, if you know you've if you've rehearsed uh, like something that you're telling out loud, like a, a story, if you rehearse that a bunch of times, you know you can still make sure that you have that exactly the way that you want it. But I'm also probably really biased in what I'm saying. But I don't know what you think there.
1: I wouldn't say biased. I would say that's like again, it's a product of how we. Like everything is practice, right? The, yeah. the one, the one benefit of like in-person storytelling or just the ability to like trant, like to, the ability to like communicate a story, uh, is the fact that you get reps and you get reactions, right? Yeah. So like I can write something fantastically and put it onto the internet. And my only real metric, my only real metrics like now would be how long the person stayed on the page and whether or not they bought, whether they bought the idea, whether they clicked on something, like, you're not really, you don't really have as much uh, context to the action. Whereas in person, I can tell you, you know, like, the, I, I, one of my practice stories, especially at, like, uh, like house parties with friends, where it happens to be, like, my, my first kink experience, and I get to tell that one over and over and over again, because there's, like, a very funny element to it, and, like, I can very easily track where the person is in the story and whether I can like hold back on this detail or give more on this detail or like, you know, the, the, the tonality and positioning of phrases and sentences, uh, I can move that around in real time. You know, it's like very kind of similar to like DJing, right? Where they're teaching the crowd and, uh, oh, they're like, oh, I don't, you know, normally I would put this song in here, but they don't really seem to be receptive to this type of music. I'm going to switch over to this. Right and that's that's where storytelling is so very powerful especially when again it's when it's orally done when you know it's orated um but i you're right there's 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 a need for all of it that's that's the thing is like storytelling is ingrained in us it's it's how we remember shit right like you don't i don't remember numbers as much i remember uh Or like i don't even remember names sometimes i remember people's faces how i made them feel in certain moments conversations that i had with them i even can remember like what they were wearing or just like a piece of a conversation that they said or like we overheard this while we were like i can remember all of those little things because it's in the context of a story in my brain uh when it's just numbers facts all that it just doesn't really it doesn't really sit well together um and that's just, it doesn't organize in the brain. So, like, it's why, like, storytelling is always where I'm saying, like, this is, like, your your main thing. Um, the long writing, the long form writing, I think that's, like, a bit of a, a mix between copywriting and prose, right? Like, that's, like, you have to, like, in order to have long writing, like, you have to be able to, to like, captivate someone. You have to be able to g- get their attention. And a majority of that is copywriting, leaning on the... Uh, you know, the emotional cues that we would have or whatever. You're you're basically building out an experience and expecting them to go through an experience. And you're basically based off of any of the data that you have, you're you're guessing, right? You're guessing on how you like you're saying, all right. So I'm guessing this person is like this, this, and this. I'm going to create the experience from A to Z in this way. I'm going to walk them down here and then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to appeal to their know their emotion here and then i'm going to not just talk about the emotion and the problem i'm going to dig through and talk about the pain that is associated with it and then i'm going to present a solution and then i'm going to give data and then i'm going to present an offer right like it's there's like five pieces to every single um piece of copywriting that like we we can talk about that in a minute but um yeah like we you walk them through a story and again it's very like at first mechanic right like you have to do it in x way seven, eight times before you can start moving things around and getting funny with it. But like, that's, it's the same process, right? It's the same process with different data, different, different information, better information in storytelling and being able to talk, uh, but information nonetheless, right? It's still, you still need all the pieces and stuff. And again, same thing with specifically for like long form writing, which I like, I hated at first. Like I actually really, really hate it. Like I, in, I did not do well in English classes, and by did not do well, I like, got, like, Bs. Uh, and that was because I was, like, very adamant about not, fo- like, about following the instructions, but not following the instructions. Because the, yeah. the topics were
0: inherently boring. So- well, dude, so my experience with, with like, formal English classes, whether it was in high school, whether it was in college, where they're teaching you structure or structured writing it zaps all the creativity out of it because they're they're trying to teach you rules but best writing it they say fuck the rules like any of the best authors especially like fiction authors that you read there are no rules in in how they do it but that's what's so captivating because whenever you see that it feels so novel that your brain registers it and you remember it and you want to learn more about whatever it is that they're writing but whenever you whenever you read something that just feels like It's conforming to everything that you know that writing is supposed to be. It it just kind of flows through your brain in a way that nothing sticks. You're like, okay, this might be a great story, but like, nothing is really standing out that much. But if you can hear like the author's accent flow into the page, you're like, holy shit! Like, this is just this beautiful writing. You don't really know what's beautiful about it, but it just feels so unique. And uh, for me, I think that's very, I mean, very much like storytelling, like orating. I think that a really good writer, they, they tell a story in a unique tone. You can almost feel their body language through the way that they're writing. And I, Dude, I always say, it, like, my, the best example of this is, like, David Foster Wallace. Like, in my opinion, it's just the best example because, like, he paints such a vivid picture of everything that's going on. You feel like you're in the environment experiencing it as you're reading it. And, like, he puts accents in everything. Like, you just, it, like, your brain morphs around the writing. So the best authors obviously can do that, but the best orators also have a power that is like, it's entrancing and it's hard to put words to like the, the experience and the feel that mm-hmm. someone who is just like extremely captivating as an orator has on you. I mean, good examples of this, like in my mind, I, I think of really good politicians, right? So like a Barack Obama, someone, someone that can like literally just suck you in with the way that he speaks, like a JFK, dude, if you- if human dudes charming motherfuckers bro if you listen to like an old jfk speech i'm like bro no wonder these motherfuckers went to the moon how are you gonna say no to this guy like bro he was so confident i was like holy shit this dude is so charismatic it's crazy um or like winston churchill like yeah oh like yeah. those dudes were so charismatic in the way that they were able to to give boring political speeches i mean it's it's fucking crazy um so Like that skill is—it's hard to even like—it's hard to replicate. And we know this because I mean, John is is such a phenomenal storyteller. And like, whenever we're at any kind of like social function, it whenever John talks, like people just listen. Any
1: story, any story, any any type of story you can piece together, whether it's fun or yeah, or just let it—you're you're locked in. You're you're very locked in, and I think the. Part of it. So I have I have a slightly different angle, but very much the same angle. So like part of where I see it, like John is really has been so good at understanding the fundamentals, yeah, understanding the 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 pieces of it that he doesn't have to use the pieces of it like everyone else does. Yeah, uh, that's like that's why I like I'm very strong on understanding fundamentals versus like using templates. Mm-hmm. Uh, templates is when someone's like I exchange this for this, exchange this for this. Fundamentals is like. I just have to get this basic idea across. I have to get this basic... Like, I've seen this happen so many times. Like, what part of what I notice with when we're taught how to write in school, it's way more... Not as, like, fundamental formulaic. It There is. There's some sort of formula to it. But one, we're talking about topics we don't give a shit about. Uh, okay. So there's no real connection to it. Two... A lot of the times, and I'm sure there are fantastic English teachers out there and writing teachers out there, but like a lot of them aren't as relatable. They're like they're they're not there's not this connection between us. You're just you're my teacher and I'm the student and I'm gonna do this to get my grade. And that's that was my experience. I didn't really have a whole lot of in like teachers in my formative like in my youth that I was like I this person this person is I'm really learning from this person. Uh, So when you like. Talk to someone who, like, gives you the fundamentals. Like, again, like, when John teaches his version of the fundamentals, it's very, like, oh, that's what's going on? And it's, like, you just kind of get this understanding of, all right, I can learn the rules, and I'm going to work on using the rules for a little bit until I understand what they are. Then I can throw them the fuck out because now it's kind of going on in the background. It's kind of like a, you know, this like, programming that's kind of sitting there. But you're not relying on it. You're not like, all right, well, I've saw I've said this and now I have to say this. And now I have to say this. And now I have to say this. And because I said that, I have to go back to that. It like flows a lot more but just like freely. It just makes more sense. Um, and that's where that's where I believe is where all of these writers are fantastic at what they do because they're not thinking about the process anymore. Yeah. They just can see it. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think you have to be mechanical and pretty much know what's going on you, you have to be mechanical until you get you get the hang of what you're supposed to be doing and then you can yeah. kind of go up to like the meta level above that and start looking down at all of the principles that at that point should be habit And you're like all right how can i make these work for me rather than working for the the mechanics working for the formulas you know and i mean it goes like that with anything like you're talking about writing but i mean think about like a salesman with a script you mm-hmm. know like a good sale at first A a good salesman has a script. Mm -hmm. They have something that they're going off of to get you from point A of answering the call to point B of purchasing whatever they have that they're selling. But a a rookie, a novice, would be reading word for word off of a script. And you can almost hear them reading off of the script. They're like, hello, how are you? You know what I mean? Yeah. But someone who's been doing it for a long time, like they're flexible. They they know how to handle objections. They know how to pivot. They know how to keep you on track and keep you coming back to the sale and they know how to close you once you give like an inch of daylight but again that's like it takes a lot of practice in anything that you're doing to get to the point where it's it's so back of hand that you're able to not think about the principles think about like the the foundation level of everything that you're doing with the mechanical aspect of it and be able to kind of like step up ascend to that next that next level and see down on everything that you're supposed to be doing and work from that perspective um i mean obviously i'm a little bit more in a niche here but it's very much like that with me and like what i'm doing with coaching we're like i've been doing it for so long at this point like i don't think about like the x's and o's i just think about like all right i know what the goal is and i'm just going to get you to that goal and the way that we get there isn't super important don't worry about like the the minutiae of this because honestly it could be like fucking crazy and it might look crazy but don't worry about it too much promise you it all makes sense in the end yeah. but like i don't think about like the small things at this point, I just do it. Like it literally just like pops into my head. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I, I feel like this is a good decision. Let's go with this. Mm. I don't think about it anymore, Um, but I feel like anyone who is like a, an expert at anything probably has that same exact feeling. Mm. But, like if you're an expert at, P- if you're Mozart, right? Like you're not, think- you're seeing the world of musical notes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's it's crazy how your perspective on everything changes with enough time doing something that is very, very monotonous and mechanical. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's that's like the, the, any of the best people who are at the, like, the top of their field, it's not... I mean, they needed to understand the fundamentals. They needed to understand the basic stuff in order to get where they are. Yeah. But they don't sit there and stare at it and use it as their template every single time, right? It's instilled in their brain. And so I, I catch myself doing this a lot where like someone will ask me like, how I did this, I'm like, I don't know. I just wrote it, like, and and then you know, obviously that's like my first response. And I go, all right, well, like, what did I actually do? All right, well, like, I I saw this right here, and my gut reaction was, all right, well, this person is thinking this, so I'm going to write this. Yeah, like, it it comes a lot freer when when you've sat there in the system for a long time. It, same thing with like learning an instrument, going to work out. Like, and again, like when you you when you first work out, you're not doing. Push pull splits. You're doing a full body workout three times a week just to get that that muscle memory down, right? Like it's, you know, this whole walk before you can run thing. And yeah, it's the same. It's the same with this, where if you understand like the five, if you understand that like in every single piece of copy and every single piece of writing, it's to some degree you have to position the problem, paint pain. sing the solution, disclose data, and then offer an opportunity to overcome objection. That's like our, our like little thing. Yeah. Like if you complete all five of those things, you will effectively used copy. Like it, to whatever degree you can get into the minutia of the offer. All right, well, I have to position the offer in this way, or I have to talk about it in this way. I have to put in these things right here for positioning the problem. Like I have to talk about this. I have to talk about this consideration for painting the paint. I have to do, you know, it. You can get into the minutia of all of it, but if you have that basic understanding, if after you've gone through the minutia once or twice, and you were like, "Okay, I see what's going on here," you just have to think about these five things. It all of a sudden becomes more of like a dance, more of a flow than a mechanical like I do
0: this, and then I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this. Yeah, and it's that that makes a ton of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just with anything, like you, you go based off of principles, you build up. And as you kind of like scale that ladder, it all starts to come together, like mm-hmm. disparate parts don't seem to build up to like a, a big product, something that's like really, really cool, something that actually works and is effective. But if you put all of those things in sequence and you slowly go from step one to step two to step three, like all of a sudden you have something that is like, you know, worthwhile copy, which that, that makes total sense. And I guess really the last thing I wanted to talk about was I someone who I feel like I've always kind of like struggled with public speaking in a weird way mm. um it's never been like a real like social anxiety thing it's just always been this over analyzing of everything before it comes out of my mouth yeah. you know I feel like my brain works faster than than my mouth does you're not the only it, one here <laughs> yeah so it's like here too I, I feel I feel like my My brain works at like one and a half speed and my mouth is just fucking sludging along. And it's very, very challenging sometimes to slow my brain down enough to where I have the proper words that I want to convey. And that's always kind of like led me to be less confident in my public speaking than I would like to be. So whenever it comes to like orating, whenever it comes to storytelling, what are like some good First steps, and then also just some tips, some tricks that people can utilize to become better storytellers, and also be more confident whenever they are like publicly speaking, whether it's in group, or like a group, a group of friends, or whether it's you know for uh, a meeting or a fucking board of directors, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I work my way up the ladder. I uh, I I sit there first, and I'm like, all right, well, I, let me. How do I? What's a great way to practice your public speaking? Just hanging out with friends, right? Yeah. Having the story, just like thinking about it, the story that you want to tell your friends, and kind of working backwards. So like, we all have five stories from our life that we that we recycle every so often, right? Like, there's there's always at any given point about five. Um, and what I do, it like my one of my main stories, I you know I I go and when I meet new people and they they ask about me and they talk to me, I tell them that one story or these three stories. And I'm practicing those stories over and over again, and then I kind of just like resource it in my brain. Oh, did I did I get the reaction that I wanted? Uh, okay, fine. They were not look. They were not really like paying attention to here. I could probably work on doing that here. I could probably work on that doing that here. Uh, but for most anything else, it's practice. Like I, I had a, a few weeks ago. I went onto a mastermind and I was talking about um, email deliverability and and just really just like back end funnel optimization. And that is, it was like a compilation of all the things that I've been teaching over the past year or so, other than like the the two things that we're really focusing on is like email deliverability and then uh, leveraging AI for copywriting, not in the way where like people just like put in a prompt and then they spit something out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of what we're talking about here where we're like, we teach you the foundations and then you understand why the prompt is the prompt and then you can go edit it after the fact. And now you have something that has cut down your time 30, 40%. Uh, But now you have product that would be like 90%, like 95% and something you're actually proud of that you can distribute. Right. Um, But again, that's like in the fundamentals. So we talk about those things and we talk about, you know, deliverability, like, you know, again, funnel optimization. And it was a compilation of everything that I was doing. Like I've talked about it on stage a couple of times, but like I wasn't as confident about it. So I just went through the slide and just talked it out to myself. Um, And it's feels stupid i hate doing it it's not not ideal for me because i feel like i'm kind of going crazy uh like people want like people will suggest like going into the mirror and doing it and just kind yeah. of like checking out your tone out like i i hate that i'm gonna be honest with
0: yeah, you i could never do that no nope.
1: it, it yeah it just it does, it does not feel right to me it feels like the scene from um oh man the scene from like wonderlust with like paul rudd is that was the name of the movie Oh, I don't know. I don't know if anybody. Where he's like talking into, he's like talking into the mirror. He's like psyching himself up. He's like, "You gonna get that dick?" <laughs> it's like he's just like trying to psych himself up. I'm like, how to, how to like, like sexual, like that, like try to like get, have sexy talk with this woman. And he's just like, "Yo, I'm gonna put my dick in. I'm gonna put my dick." It just, I feel like that. Like I'm just trying to. I'm practicing for something that does not. It just doesn't make sense. Like just go and do it. Um... <laughs> point with that being is that like it's it's the act of practicing it's the act of being able to like look at yourself and uh and like have like an honest like turnaround so what I'll do is like I'll record my screen and I'll go through the slides once and I'll be like all right I talked weird here I over explained over here um a lot of times when we over explain and this is something that I have is like when we don't believe that we're being heard or we didn't say it right the first time so like I that challenge that thing of like being more succinct and not like kind of trying to fumble over your words my challenge is always okay well i'm gonna say it once i'm gonna do my best to just say it once and if someone has a question about it then I, i'm using that as my as my marker of okay i didn't explain this well enough um sort of like giving yourself the ability to fail like yeah. giving yourself a moment to fail right where it's like oh i didn't i didn't do this right well like and obviously. With everything, like failure is not a bad thing; it's positive feedback. So, I like do that every so often, where I'm like these points. I'm just going to explain them the one way that I explain it all the time. And if I'm not on point with it, I just have to kind of come to come to grips with that and just fix it.
0: Dude, succinctness is a superpower. When whenever you hear people that can condense a, a complex topic into twenty seconds. They're like, this is what it is. Whereas other people will take five minutes to, like, roundabout get to what the other person said in 20 seconds. You're like, holy shit, it is so insane that people can actually, like, clearly explain their thoughts in one go, in one sentence, without stumbling. It's, it's, like, for me, that is something I really struggle with. I struggle with succinctness. I find myself repeating everything that I say quite a bit. Like, even just now, I'm saying the same fucking thing, you know what I mean? You just watch me do it. Yeah, but, like... (laughs) Whenever I hear people that can answer a question with literally one sentence, I'm like, how the fuck does your brain work like that? I would say one sentence and be like, well, actually, let me also clarify what I'm saying about that one sentence for the next 10 minutes. You know, I, I re- need the context, right? They yeah. The context. I, re- I really struggle with it. But that's the thing. Like, I In our brains, everything needs context. But a lot of times people are literally just looking for like a yes, no answer. Mm-hmm. And- they don't even live in the context anyway right like that's something that i've i've had to s- slowly come to terms with like the things that i find important most other people don't find important they want they want something that they can digest in 10 seconds otherwise their brain just zone out so if you try and say something just say it, say it as quick as you can get like the meat out and then if you want to clarify like you can clarify but just make sure that whatever the fuck you're saying at the very beginning is the heaviest hitting because that's what most people are probably going to stay around for before they just like glaze over um this is talking to yourself as a no, dude this is 15 year old like what what are the main points
1: that this person needs and it's hard to get down to that because we have so much knowledge sitting in our brain about it we talk about it all the time i i'm fucking sick of talking about copywriting i love it but like I I have to explain to someone this thing over and over again. Like it's not Again, it, it, sometimes it feels as if it's like, I'm not explaining it well enough. Don't get, but it's never a, a reflection of us. It's just other people don't know this information and they just need the bullet points.
0: No, dude, that's, that's really, really helpful. Actually. Um, all right, I appreciate your time. I know that I I'm I fucked you over today, so oh, um, we're we're a little bit we're a little bit. Convinced. You're taking it too uh, hard. <laughs> we're a little bit convinced. Oh, dude, I know. I'm going to be really ruminating on this one later. But uh, <laughs> uh, let let everyone know where they can find you. I um, we'll definitely plug yeah. in the show notes. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at at you'll get Um Our
1: website for the company is wearewellspringmedia.com. Uh, those are the main two places you'll find me. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm in the in the process of recording more videos that are around like copywriting, search engine optimization, not search engine optimization, but like backend funnel optimization. I'm gonna talk more about stuff like that once my personal client schedule uh, allows me to. But other than that, yeah, those are the two main places that you'd be able to find me. Uh, and or John, if you want to follow John, John <laughs> Romanello. But that's that's a very different market uh if we're uh if we're talking about that
0: all right dude i really appreciate your time thank you so much really enjoyed this it was actually super super helpful thank you for having me i appreciate it i love i love doing this just talking back and forth with dude, i know yeah we could we could talk about some some more goblin shit at a, another date
1: yeah no i'm fine to talk goblin shit tattoos music I like tech just tech We could have a whole conversation yeah. on on ai like yeah, dude, we, could have, we can set that up
0: i would love that i would love to have that conversation
1: yeah. Do I could talk about, I literally, this is not the first time I, like, I we're writing a course for copy AI, but that stems from an article that I wrote about how AI is not going to be taking over all marketers' jobs. And it, like, is just a product of people asking me, like, is are you afraid that your job is going to be taken by AI? And I'm like, no, I'm afraid that I'm going to get so good at it that I don't give a shit. (laughs) Lay down, man. Dude, you should see the prompts that I've been
0: building out. They're like three-page prompts because you just have to be that specific with the AI. Actually, you, sh- you have my number, so text me, <laughs> share that with me, and I'll, I'll, share, I'll share some stuff with you as well. Oh, yeah. Oh. All right, bro. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much again.